Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, identity, culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be slutty. <laughs> I'm Tommy Teebs Pico, indigenous American poet, screenwriter, I can suck the color out of a marble and I just started following the hashtag six foot nine on Instagram. Oh my god. <laughs> it's making my life. It's brand. making my life. I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and my sexuality is as inconsistent and wavering as Ariana Grande's whistle tones. Oh, <laughs> Wow, that was not... We're going to get canceled. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm Fran. I'm a writer, editor, and, you know, I've been in L.A. for two days, so I already have an appointment to get butt implants. Yay! <laughs> Wait, who's your doctor? I want some, too. Mm, okay, we'll do a dual okay. a dual appointment. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm Dennis Norris II, and I'm a reader, a writer, a former figure skater, and I may or, not, may or may not be sitting here with vibrating anal beads stuck in my pussy. Oh, mm. please don't let them fall out Oh, my us. God. Never. <laughs> Never. This pussy doesn't like to be empty. Oh you know, have you ever seen those that genre of porn videos, which is somebody has, like, the vibrating... Uh, uh, dildo and then yes, like yes. the the people um like the viewers can actually vibrate it oh my by god giving tips. amazing I've wow. seen that wow. and it, like it's one of the hottest things ever when they're like deeply not gay and they have no control over it and it's wow. like it is the best wow. thing <laughs> I kind of want to try that would try <laughs> would try as well um Dennis do you want to tell us what we got on the menu today y'all mm. for today's show. We start with a cl- our classic Tinder-inspired game. We impart our foolishness upon curious, inquiring thoughts. We remind you that it's just a little crush. Ooh. And this week, our dessert is permanent. Yes. Mm. Take, Take it, it away. away. Buck, buck, because. <laughs> <laughs> I am feeling a little peckish. I think it's time we start the top of the show the way any good top should with a little tease. Our mm. uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to mm. amuse your booshes, we got a little game. All right, guys. So we have um, a really fun rendition of our classic Swipe Right, Swipe Left. And, and I don't know her. You don't know her. Fran actually doesn't know her because Fran's not on dating apps. Mm. But if you don't know, swiping right is the yay, yes, please, come here. Swiping left is the Uh, thanks, love, I'm good. mm -mm. And um, we're going to get started. Um, Cancel culture. Mm. Swipe right, swipe left. Mm. Are you canceling cancel culture? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have thoughts, but I think cancel culture uh, is overall not never nuanced. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of the things that we set out to cancel are rarely given 
conversation or additional thought. However, mm-hmm. calling out people in public is a tool that has worked over and over and over and over and over again, especially in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has had really positive ramifications. There was a really good tweet thread that we'll put in the show notes by a person who was basically like, uh, cancel culture gets a bad rap, but at the same time, it's almost always people who are very marginalized, who never had access to call anything out before, mm-hmm. finally being able to be like, no, this is doing harm to me. Mm-hmm. And then it's usually derided by like older white men mm-hmm. who are like, oh, you're so unnuanced in your analysis. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's because they've never had to listen to anybody else say anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yes, it might not be the best place to have interpersonal accountability, but at the same time, it's done a lot of good. It holds people accountable. People should be afraid of tweeting racist things and Mm -hmm. being called out. That makes the world better. But Um, we're not. But but again, we're not talking about call out. We're talking about cancel, right? mm -hmm. Which are two. Which I agree with you there. I think those are two very different things. Um, But I still tend. To think that there's also a difference between like cancel culture and the the culture behind saying that and getting people behind that and then the effectiveness of that, like whether or not someone, an offender is actually canceled, like that doesn't seem like that's always the case, mm. um, which I also think is really interesting and really problematic because sometimes it's the people who have the most power and the most lose who are able to keep from being canceled when maybe they need to be canceled the most. Mm. But I do guess I think that um, we have to be careful about how we employ cancel culture because we have to think a lot about um who it is that we're talking about because it's not always just like cis straight powerful white men and you also got to think about what it is that you want because if you want an apology and you want reparative action that that doesn't that doesn't mean then you can't call you can't cancel yeah right and if you want someone to be better um and to do better and to learn more like just canceling and shutting them down is often not an effective way of doing that and sometimes that's you don't care about that but sometimes I think that's a fair thing to want. So yeah, it's complicated. I do have to say at the same time, what's his name from House of Cards? The actor? Kevin Spacey. Spacey. I never want to see him again. He canceled forever. That video that yeah. he did to try to come back as was so fucking I, weird. It was so yeah. strange. You know what I mean? Like, so there are people I who I, I'm like, yeah, other people should be taking up the space that you were taking up for too long. You fucking abusive asshole. And well, I, there was I recently an episode of This American Life Um I think it was called Spines or Get a Back or something like that. Mm. And it was one of the the threads was about um, the showrunner of Community, Dan Harmon, admitting to some stuff and then apologizing and understanding like what made that apology effective. And a part of it was um, the the, the offender listing their offenses. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? That's accountability. And you can do that when you're in community with people. You know what I mean? But doing doing accountability publicly I do think that is an incredibly useful tool to model what it looks like to be held accountable publicly and to make reparative action. Agreed. Yeah, but that's not cancel culture at all, necessarily. Necessarily. I agree. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, this oh, is a no. good one for me. Oh, no. I don't like that giggle. <laughs> Feet. Swipe ah! right, swipe left. I have had my toes sucked. <laughs> I have sucked a toe. <laughs> Who hasn't I sucked a swipe toe? Right. Me, I have never sucked a toe. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Dennis so never right. sucked a toe. So, Freya, you're swiping right. You're swiping right. All right. Uh, Tommy Teebs, I am swiping fully 
backlash backslash left because I can't do that. No, but no, no. You made money from your teat, the feet, motherfucker. My oh. teat. Your teat. <laughs> you made money from your feet. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I was selling my socks, like you know, like finance bros in in, in the financial district or whatever. But like. I, that was that was I was fully in poverty mode. That was like 2015, <laughs> right. and I was paying for everything and changed. And I had to eat one like I had to for lunch and for for breakfast and lunch. I had a dollar slice of pizza that I would slice in half, oh my God. and that would oh be my, my breakfast God. and lunch. So yeah, wow. I made money off my feet. I didn't love it. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I'm not into it necessarily, <laughs> but right. you know I'm, I'm into checks. So <laughs> listen, how, listen we however swipe, they come, we, we swipe are not right ashamed. on checks. I, we oh we definitely swipe right on checks. Dennis. I. You guys, I have a whole thing where I really hate feet. I can't stand them. I mm. They are the most disgusting things. When I'm in a long car ride with my sisters and I'm sitting in the front, they will, like, touch me with their feet just to make me freak out. I can't imagine ever wanting my toe sucked. Do you, do you wear get... open-toed footwear? I, I, I do like a peep-toe heel. I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is a thing. Even Dennis's repulsions don't, aren't internally consistent. Yes, absolutely. Oh absolutely. It's a really special thing to live inside my brain. But I really hate feet. They gross me <clears throat> the fuck out. Peep toe. Peep toe. They, they do. They do. Um, okay. TSA pre-check, y'all. Uh, swipe right. Deep swipe right. Okay, one time, so we went to this Deeps. podcast festival in Portland that I was traveling with Alex, with producer Alex, and she had, because they bought our tickets together, she had t- pre-check and I had pre-check too, and holy crap, that is like a luxury that I cannot it's do without incredible. now. I, it just, it just, it's like, I, just right on through. Speaking of feet, you don't have to take off your, your shoes. shoes. That's oh, right. Wow. That is like that's I my plan thing. my that's shoes true. based that I wear on the plane based on how easy they come on and off. Yeah, same. same. And I would love to not have to do that. Or jackets, time. hats, yeah, exactly. whatever. Yeah. yeah. But how do you feel about giving all your information over to the government? Like they that? have it already. They have it already. They Let's, have it like, already. Come on now. Seriously. Like it's they have it already. Also, so if right. they listen to our podcast, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, all the information we, they need. They have way more than they need. I love picturing some like NSA agent <laughs> assigned to listen to the. Rest Radical podcast. Taking Food notes. for yes. thought. Oh my yes. god. Wow. Like, they... Two in the tush, you say. Uh, two, two in the, in the tush. tush. Peep toe. <laughs> Peep toe. Hundreds of hours. <laughs> Amazing. All right, I have one more for you guys. Lizzo saying, bye, bitch. All together. I mean... Right. We've Swipe literally right. posted it on our social media. <laughs> yeah. Literally. We're obsessed. Can Something we can all agree on. Yes. Bye, bitch. Thank you guys for playing along. Get out your coin purses, benches. It's time for Penny for your thoughts. Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. So in this segment... Us four fucking idiots are going to give life advice to people who are dumb enough to ask us questions on Twitter. So. Why you. do you do it? Why do you do it? And no one here is certified except for me because I'm a doctor. I am a doctor, friend. <laughs> no, you are not, Joseph. I am a doctor. The Lying. important thing is that we are all certified thoughts. So, uh, so let's, start with, let's start with this one. Um, how do I take more risks? I'm afraid to start wearing clothes I like. Since I get anxious about what other people would think. And the person says that they're a femme, but a lazy one, which is frankly <laughs> mostly Dennis, <laughs> to be um, honest. Also me in some circumstances. So how do you take more risks? How do you start doing the things you want to do if they're scary or they put you outside of the mainstream or maybe they might make you a target? Well, they don't happen um, 
in the imagination. You know what I mean? They they don't happen through thought. They happen through action. Mm. I mean, you can't think yourself into taking risks. You actually have to kind of just do it. Yeah. Maybe though, an, uh, uh, see, there maybe there are a couple ways of doing this. There are some people who just want to dive first into the pool, right? You know what I mean? Like, and maybe you should just make it your debut in your prom dress, like on the subway. I don't right, know. Right. Maybe there are some people like they want to take maybe more incremental risks. So yeah. it's like, yeah. I don't know, maybe wearing the underwear that you like, and then maybe wearing Ooh. the skirt that you. Like and then maybe wearing the heels that you like. I don't know. Like yeah, put it mm-hmm. together little by little. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. D. I also think that when it comes when it comes to that one very specifically, there's so much that's dependent on your circumstances and your context. And um, I know that that for me, I began to feel more comfortable taking more risks when I when I was able to put myself into contexts where I felt like I had room to do that mm-hmm. with a certain amount of safety. Mm-hmm. And so, like, without knowing too much about, you know, what your life is, I would say that even if you're maybe not ready to take the risks that you want to take, if you can start setting yourself up to be in the position to mm-hmm. take those risks, mm-hmm. you're still taking action towards that, and there is some relief in moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fran, go for it. So, you know, I um, I work in a fairly conservative institution. I'm a college professor and I'm a biologist. Uh, it's, it's hard for me. So I started like I love painting my nails, uh, but I started doing it when I was on vacation because I felt it felt too dangerous. It mm-hmm. felt too risky to do it in, my, in the classroom in front of my students. I mean, it quite literally can put my job at risk if my colleagues see me as, you know, not serious or frivolous or even, quite frankly, queer. It's so, subversive. You know, exactly. And so I did it on vacation and it, and it was it felt it feels different to me when I'm walking around with nail polish on people comment on it all the time because although time. I feel very non-binary I do present very uh, very much as a cis man so there's this sort of like disconnect between when I really fem up and what I guess my body reads as so yeah no it makes me feel um very very visible but like mm. I said, it's just like by doing it and by doing it in times that felt safer, like I'm on vacation, I don't have to go to work doing it then. It made me, I actually do it in the classroom now. So it's been a little by little. Yeah. I have a similar relationship to my gender, Joe. And I do feel like when I first moved to New York, I, first of all, I hustled and got like, I, th- I, I was applying to jobs so hard. I think I went, if I, I think I counted and I went on like 16 or 17 job interviews before finally getting oh my, my first job wow. in New York City. And I remember my very first interview taking out my earring before mm-hmm. I went mm-hmm. in. And I I think my ear, my ear closed up. Like I forgot to put Ugh. it back in and left it out for all those interviews yeah. and it closed up. And it was this horrible symbol of me yeah. kind oh. of like rejecting my, my um, queerness. And then it like that opportunity, like leaving me. Yeah. And I think I, at a certain point, and I'm obviously we're all very lucky to live in New York city where like, we are not necessarily in danger, in as much as danger much. Um, uh, when we present as queer. But I do think that calculated risks in yeah. presenting queerness are always worth it. Yeah. And you have to remember, too, that, like, in the beginning, it's going to feel like the biggest deal in America. Mm -hmm. That, like, it's going to it's going to come with a requisite amount of, like, freedom and then perhaps shame. But that, Mm -hmm. like, the more risks you take, I feel like it's not like the the, the, the feeling itself goes away, but its duration lasts Mm -hmm. less and less, I think. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's intensity, too. Mm -hmm. And it always feels like it just feels good to me. It still feels exciting in a good way when I, like, wear something really femme and I think I look fabulous in it. Yeah. yeah, and I, I do think also to the the idea of you know you being lazy, which I think is funny, uh, a funny thing to know that when we are taking risks, it is a it is a concern of energy mm-hmm. and how much mm-hmm. energy you have for it. So you know, if you are you all familiar with like spoon theory or whatever? Mm-mm. No. When it's is this like a drug thing? No, it's not. <laughs> it's like when the the it's. 
it's it's a very simple idea. It's basically like your the amount of energy you have is like a, on the basis of spoons and like mm-hmm. how many spoonfuls you have of, of mm-hmm. certain energy. So you're like, if I, you know, ha- need to walk out the door today presenting as femme, that is seven spoons. Where if I'm doing it as like quote unquote normal person, that might be like three spoons right, or right, something right. like that. More, yeah. mm-hmm. So like you know, and certain people of a certain marginalized identity have a lot less spoons than mm-hmm. other people. And so you, depending upon what your identity is and what your relationship is to the rest of the world, need to calculate whether you do have enough spoons in order to, to present the way you mm-hmm. want to present today. And if you don't, that is oh fucking yeah. K. Yeah. yeah. And it's fine if you have sporks and not spoons. <laughs> That's good too. I love sporks. Yeah. It makes me think of KFC mashed potatoes and gravy, which is my favorite food in the world. To have right before bottoming? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Honestly. Next up is the question that is going to Yoko Ono, our band. (laughs) Do you all ever get so annoyed with each other? How do you deal with it if you do? So first of all, that's not really advice. Uh, (laughs) Once again, you're just 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 fully stirring the pot. (laughs) It's a troll. Is what you're trying to do. Is this like uh, English pre-war drama? Because I'm I'm seeing some tea. I know. I feel like the most the most common thing I hear uh, either in emails or DMs or like whatever about us is that like Joe and I don't get along, which is true. I hate Joe. I absolutely hate Joe so Mm. much. Um, No, that's not true. To be fair, so does Joe. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, like we all, all four of us uh, take turns annoying the living shit out of each other. Yep, yep, um, and, mm-hmm. you know, to quote Ariana Grande, one brought me love, one brought me pain, one that was brought me, me patience. Uh, oh, did you write that song? No, I brought you pain. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm literally doing it right now. <laughs> I, also have, I also have like dildos that do each of those things. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Wait. Mm-hmm. That is. A meme patience. that needs to happen. Patience. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And then the pa- oh god, the pain. The patience. The pain. Some, <laughs> some, some definitely require patience. Um. Yes. No. We. I mean, we definitely have our moments where we're sometimes we're all annoying each other. Sometimes three of us are annoyed at one of us. It's it. It's all over the place. It's it is a lot like it's a lot like a family and it's a lot like siblings. Um. For me, I just like try to ignore the emails when, yes, Dennis, we know. When, yes, Dennis. when they get too crazy. That's also not good advice. Yes, no, that is not good <laughs> Don't advice. ignore emails, ever. Um, and then I just, I text our producer and I'm like, help me. <laughs> Medi- just like, mediator. That's actually real. Uh, mediator. Yeah, Alex is yeah. really good at being yes. the peacemaker. Yeah. I would also say that like in, in times of duress, I have to consciously remind myself um, what it is that I appreciate about people, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. it is that um, really draws me towards them, what they can do that I can't do, and how, you know, this is temporary, and at least we're talking about it. I think mm-hmm. that's a, a good way to prevent serious rupture is to just address things as they happen so that you yeah. can get over them and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's definitely, you know, we all have our frustrations with one another, but we all have our synergies as well. It's like mm-hmm. our yeah. strengths are not the same, and that is frustrating at times, but like that is a benefit when you're working in a, in a queer group of people <laughs> exactly. to have to have other people who can lift you up where you're not super strong and you know the self-awareness to like check in with people like am I being crazy am I not being crazy like we, yeah we know. definitely have that and the, the last thing that I would say about this also that I forgot before is that um it's easier to deal with those moments when you like my baseline for every person in this room is that I'm always thinking well of them like I mm-hmm. always think very highly of each of them I think well of people I'm not thinking about um people having ill intent or anything like that. And that's a piece of advice that I got from a supervisor when I had to manage my first staff when I was in graduate school. And I I maintain it all the time because that 
it recontextualizes everything. It puts everything into a different um, framework for and me. The more we love each other, the the less kind, the less we do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the more, yeah. the more, especially if you think about the relationship you might have with your brother or sister or sibling, that they're we are so much less forgiving to those people and it's because we spend so much time with them and then our brain does that funny thing where they're just like, oh, you don't deserve my right. patience. Mm-hmm. The people who the most do, actually. Yeah, really do. So. And it's a little bit like, um, do you see Lady Bird when, um, when the mom and the daughter were like fighting in the thrift store and they're like, ah, fuck you, mom. And then she's like, this dress would look great on you. She's like, oh, yes, well, thank you. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. You that, know? That, that immediate switch. Mm-hmm. That is so real. Yeah. It's a little bit like that too. So anyone who knows me knows that um, I tend to wear Tom Ford's Black Orchid scent. I've been told that I smell like um, a lesbian ex-girlfriend, which <laughs> is something I can relate wow, to. Wow, I knew that I was pining immensely. after you for a reason. <laughs> yeah. And uh, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, um, that scent is also offered on Scentbird. <gasps> Scentbird is a luxury fragrance subscription service um, where you can mix up your own colognes and perfumes. Scentbird has more than 450 designer brands for you to choose a cologne or perfume each month. And you can choose the colognes you want to try and they'll send you a 30-day supply. That's 120 sprays. Oh, my God. Spray me, baby. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. No. And with an exclusive offer just for our readers, you can get 50% off your first month today. That's $7.50 for your first fragrance. <gasps> Go to scentburn.com slash T-H-O-T and use our code T-H-O-T for 50% off your first month. Again, that's scent S. C-E-N-T bird dot com slash T-H-O-T for you to try your first cologne or perfume for just $7.50. Sign on. Smell amazing. amazing. (laughs) Underwear Expert is an underwear of the month club that offers the most personalized selection of underwear based on size, fit, and taste. Underwear Expert uses custom sizing technology that allows them to take a person's waist size and size up or down according to how a brand actually fits. Magic! With years of experience in the industry, they send the best-fitting underwear, ensuring that folks everywhere feel their best, Mm -hmm. using their style and preferences to curate a box specifically for each customer. Which reminds me, I have a box right here. You guys, I'm actually very excited. Open your box, (laughs) Fred. Open your box. (laughs) I hate you. Okay, so I actually have decided, because I'm not a jockstrap person. I just don't really like them. Are you even gay, Fred? Are you even gay? Okay, Listen, when when you don't have a butt to highlight, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Listen, everyone has a butt, you guys. (laughs) Not everyone has a good butt. Which is why I'm very excited about this pristine black thong that I, I am so yeah, excited so, I know. so surprising right and it's it's not about the butt it's about the the crack the, no it's about what you, the, the little glimpse of the thong that you see when I bend over in public places <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's that about that little suggestive hip hugging oh, wow. line I love wow. that for you thank Strong you loving that journey for you a new feature of Underwear Expert is that you can choose specific pairs of underwear you see on our Instagram or on their Instagram or their site um, to pick for your next box that's available for first and renewal boxes. Preview and refine every order or you can be surprised. Ooh. Choose how many pairs you want and how often you want them delivered. Use the coupon code THOT for 55% off your first month. That's THOT for 55% off your first month. That's so much percent. Yeah. 
that, that extra five percent. Um, you guys, I'm looking at our custom Everlane collection page right now, and it's really cute. <laughs> we so taste. Are we all influencers now? Is that how this works? Influencer representation. <laughs> uh, Everlane only makes premium essentials using the finest materials without traditional markups. No matter your style or preference, Everlane clothes look better. Mm-hmm. Cost less. Mm-hmm. That's right. And last longer. You because know? Everlane sells directly to you, their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. Gang, gang. And I just have to say, you guys, I'm obsessed with the Everlane Day Magazine tote. It is the most beautiful leather bag I've ever owned. I carry Ooh. it every day. It's fucking durable for all the cross country travel I've been doing lately. And I always get the most unbelievable compliments on it. People try to steal it, and I'm having to toughen up so I can protect my back. Oh, I love oh. that, Dee. Dee's, fu- Dee's a lover and a fighter. Are you butch now? <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes, yes. <laughs> I will cut a bitch for my Everlane bag. And right now, you can check out our personalized collection, as Fran was mentioning, at everlane.com slash T-H-O-T. Plus, you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's everlane.com slash T-H-O-T. One more time, y'all. Everlane.com slash T-H-O-T. Mm. It's time we got to the meat of our conversation. The thought process spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And this week, we're talking about crushes. Mm. Now, I kind of wanted to broach this topic because, you know, I'm a poet. I came up on Tumblr. Um, that shows my age. It was like 2011. <laughs> my first viral Tumblr video poem um, was called Crush. Um, and it was all about how crushes motivate me the way that revenge motivates Fran, the of way course. that crying motivates Joe. Oh, oh my God. The, <laughs> way, the way that baby arm dick motivates Dennis. Yes. And it was mostly like you know, in order to get myself to the dentist, like every week or whatever, like I have to have a crush on every week. Every <laughs> six months. Sorry, I don't have the teeth that bad. But then I have to get myself to the dentist every six months. Like I have to have a crush on my dentist in order to get myself to go to the gym. If I have a crush on somebody at the gym, I will go every damn mm-hmm. day. Yeah, it's true. And Fair. also, those times when like the it's like super hot and the subway is super crowded and like the AC isn't working and you're stuck in the tunnel and you're just like, I want to die. Mm. All I have to do is like fixate on one person in the subway car and have a crush on them. And I'm fine. I'm like, it's just the two of us here, right? (laughs) Exactly. And I kind of, you know, and um, I was also thinking about this because I had seen this movie, the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, right? With my friend Roy. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about, we left the, we left the theater and he was like, "Mm, that dad spider, that dad bought Spider-Man could get it. And I was like, Mm. Roy, that is a cartoon. (laughs) You Mm. have a crush on a cartoon. That is a computer graphic. And I took it to the Food for Thought group chat and I was like, isn't this my friend just the craziest? And they were like, actually, bitch, you're the crazy one. (laughs) (laughs) We were like, yeah, yeah. We're going to get into the 101 of crushes we're gonna get to um some questions about ethics and all that kind of stuff but first i want to throw this question to the group who are some of your cartoon crushes <laughs> fran, is like, fran is like chomping at the we're bit so yeah, in there, fran. i mean i've been attracted to like literally every single protagonist in a, in a hayao miyazaki film ever like <laughs> i love that i mean like a, just a twinkie little like are they a girl are they a boy mm. i have no idea um but you know if i'm gonna go way back uh, I'm gonna think. I'm gonna. I'm pretty sure what that was your root. My root was 
Eric from The Little Mermaid. Okay. So typical. Like, just tousled hair and he had a great chest and he loved dogs. Is and that like, the trident one? The guy with yeah. the, the king? And he was also very hot because he constantly ignored Ariel. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so <laughs> hot. Um, but also, like, if I'm thinking more modern day, like, the person I really go for is the Beast after he turns into a human. Okay. He's got that long mm. mane of hair and he's got those like those pecs that are like Christmas hams. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I can, like I wanna like crush a Coke can between his tits. And then and I want I wanna shuck on him. Were you were you like you weren't a Gaston person? Oh no, disgusting. No, his no. chin was really gross to me. Oh. You don't like the big chin. You don't like the big chin. You're not into chin play? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> No, he was a, a nice place to aim when you're coming. <laughs> oh my god, the divot oh, chins with a little divot in them. It's oh like the perfect. It's like god. a landing pad for semen. That's disgusting. <laughs> I always felt like Gaston had a micro penis for oh all, for god. as big as he was. So I well, he was making up for something. We he not, was making up for something. That's we the are point. Not a dick sizest podcast. No, uh, but. Um, in terms of my cartoon crushes, and there there was many a cartoon crush, probably because as a kid, I felt like if I had a crush on a cartoon, that was different from having a crush on a person and it didn't make me gay. Oh my God. Wow. Um, wow. I, I literally just put that together in this moment, but I think wow. I was like, I, I'm per- I have permission to like boys in this context because it's not real, so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So um, like obviously one of my first loves was Aladdin. He was so, so fine, so like, like I love, I love like a like if a guy doesn't have nothing, but he's real scrappy and can figure his shit out. Mm. I fucking love that. I'm sitting right here. That turns Dennis. me on. <laughs> did he? Um, did, I mean, I knew he he wore the vest and nothing under it, but did Homeboy have nipples? Do you remember? He, you never. I don't saw think a nip. You, you never you saw never the nip. I don't remember. You never. Nip. You never yeah, saw the nip. That's an interesting observation. I've never noticed that until this yeah. exact moment. <laughs> no, it's true. You never saw the nip. He dressed up as Aladdin for Halloween one year, and I was just like, yep. I'm, not, I'm seeing a distinct lack of nipples in this outfit. I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like nipples aren't permissible in a Disney movie. Wow. Um, mm. But I also have to say that I also I, I really loved um, Simba in The Lion King once he turned grown and sexy. Oh, I was like, yeah, wow. I'm here for it. I'll be <laughs> your Nala. That and, is, I'll okay, be your sure. Nala. Oh my god. <laughs> and when I was very young, I was all about Sonic the Hedgehog. Wow. I loved that wow. badass blue mohawk. Badass. He, I, I thought it was badass. badass for Ohio. Dennis. Was it young Simba? Well, yes, Jonathan. I was it was. it was. Yes, that's it was. JTT. Was JTT. Yes. yes. Um, I also, my first one was from The Lion King as well, but I had a total life crush on Timon and Pumbaa. I just wanted <laughs> to be in a throuple with you the are, two of them. You are trolling. Just, just to walk around eating Stop grubs. Thinking Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. I feel like you would still be very happy with that life. I yeah. would be. Yeah. The yeah. soothing voice of Nathan Lane. <laughs> Truly. Marry me, Nathan. Slide so into the DM. So you do want grubs. You yes, I grubs. do want grubs. <laughs> okay. Yes. They, they have that sucking mouth motion from the grubs. You know they're good at sucking dick from that. Um, <laughs> What is up with this animated That's bestiality true, shit that everyone's spouting right now? I don't yeah. know where I am anymore. Who are you people? I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's do a little 101. You know, yeah. what's the 101? What so, is a crush? Yeah, my, so my deep research on a uh, noted factual website, WikiHow, uh, <laughs> revealed to me that there are essentially four types of crushes. There is the friendly crush, a.k.a. a squish. Mm-hmm. 
which I don't know. For, is that the <laughs> where basis did that language come your... from? Yeah, that's where Fran's squish code. Okay, comes from. I was curious yeah, about that. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, topical. Anyway, uh, the next one was an admiration crush, which is more like an idealization of somebody. So, artist, teacher, therapist, etc. Like et what uh, Alex Chi says when you fall in love with the person you want to be next. Mm, yeah, mm. yeah. Okay. I can see that. I mean, have, I, I've I've had several people have admiration crushes on me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, just something that I do that. in the world. Uh, the, ne- the next one is called a passing crush. And that is the one that's mostly physical in nature and mm-hmm. is also kind of um, uh, more of uh, uh, about um, procrastination. So, like, let's say you are having a fight with your partner and it's easier for you to fixate sometimes on somebody oh, else absolutely. than, like, the relationship or whatever. And it's like, you know, the, the wiki page was like, just make sure that you don't don't actually cheat on your partner with your passing crush. It's ah! normal. Just don't do it. That don't is do not it. a queer wiki page. <laughs> <laughs> Queers are like True. absolutely fuck your passing crush. Yeah, yeah. and I, yeah, and then the, the the big mama, of course, is the romantic crush, which is like the one you think about mm-hmm. normally. I mean, uh, most typically when you think about crushes, and that's the one where you idealize or you daydream about the person you idealize them. Of course, like crushes can be kind of dangerous yeah. because if you put somebody on a pedestal, all they can do is fall. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But they're mm-hmm. so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also, according to this WikiHow article, there are three ways that people usually behave uh, 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 in light of their crush. One of them is the shy reaction, which is compulsively withholding in front of them. Um, there is the outgoing reaction where, uh, you know, you can't control the volume of your voice <laughs> or, you know, you compulsively just say things in front of them. Which, oh uh-huh. And then the, 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 the third one is the, the flirty reaction, a.k.a. the one that you do after 10 beers, perhaps. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like, what are some, what what would you say, like, the most typical reaction type is for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. usually the shy one. I don't go, and that probably seems a little counterintuitive to the person that I am, but I, I really don't, I don't go for things unless I really, really know it's going to happen. You I love just, being and chased. I, and I never, yeah, it's never going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, no, no, no. I don't like being chased. I just like not... Uh, Using my energy, um, <laughs> keeping like your spoons it. for I like yourself. It being on yeah, someone else's plate, some of it. you know. And I'm not necessarily. I don't want to glorify that tactic, but that is how I am. I mean, I, I can feel that way a lot, especially if I'm feeling a little insecure. I hate sort of like making a move and being. I, I turns out I have a lot of rejection issues. Oh, really? <laughs> um, so Do like, you? Do you know, when you're when you're flirting, you're sort of putting yourself out there, and there's a huge mm-hmm. possibility that the crush doesn't reciprocate, and then you're sort of you know hit with that. And I have that problem in real life, although I'm working really hard to get over it. I have that problem everywhere except for the Instagram DMs, where I will just send the most oh, aggressive yeah. Instagram DMs to yes. the most beautiful people, and I'm like, well, the worst they can do is not respond! And then they don't, and it's fun. But I don't feel that rejected from that. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, that's actually probably that is actually probably a fair point, because for me, like, I always feel very shy with a crush. Like, I don't actually... Like, I never send Instagram DMs first or Twitter DMs first. That's just not, like, what I do because for that reason because I feel shy. But if I'm, like, crushing on someone in person, it is, like, I don't even notice it. I just automatically go into flirting mode. Oh, wow. oh. And I get, like, kind of, like, a little bit sultry. And, like, a big part of my flirtatious, <laughs> like, energy is to sort of sultry. try to be ditzy, ditzy and cute and adorable and a little bit helpless and um but that's also not entirely an act because that's yeah, kind of how i am ditzy and helpless i um, mean yeah it's not an, it's not really an act like you at all <laughs> i know um, it's like night but and it, day <laughs> but it works and so many of the types of men that i'm attracted to and that i attract like 
are totally here for that. So it like it works really well. So I just love to to flirt. Mm. I mean, and I, then at the end I'll walk away and I'm like, wait a second, I was just flirting and I didn't even oh, wow. meet. Or sometimes other people will be like, you were just flirting so hard. And I was like, I was? Oh, because you were under the influence. Mm, oh, oh, yeah, well, the the dick influence. The, the dick influence. <laughs> Y'all. Yes. One thing, um, one thing I did when I was little that I had to get over, I still have this impulse, but I really have to fight it, is I would be really mean to the person I had a crush on. Mm-hmm. There was this girl I had a crush on, Katie Struxman. I hope she's a listener. In middle school, and I liked her so much. I actually liked her for like five years. And I used to, th- I, one lunch, I threw raisins in her hair oh. until she <gasps> cried. And like, I made the person I love cry. And I just, she walked out of the room crying. And I was like, I'm not bullying you. I just love you so much. Wow. Oh my God. That really, it makes me think of um, Helga from Hey Arnold. You know what I mean? Oh my God. Yeah, 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 just yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like this, the seminal crush, like really <laughs> like the crush that to be all and all of crushes, you know? And I, the thing that I loved about her story, which also makes it kind of tragic and also like too real is that she was so in love with him mm. and emotionally didn't know how to access that love or, or figuring out how to like manifest that love for him. Mm. And her only salve for that was to hurt him and oh, to yeah. make fun mm. of him and to, you know, berate him and bully him. Like that was yeah. the only way she could, yeah. but bolt like, you know, do it. Expr- Cause she I, didn't, she didn't know how to express or process her turmoil. Exactly. The turmoil of the, her love. It's one of the things that's so great about crushes that they are, unreciprocated and unrequited love is the only perfect love because it's yours and yours alone you know mm-hmm. it sort of belongs only to you so as long as the like you're saying as long as the crush stays the crush the person stays perfect yeah. or on the pedestal and it, it is a dangerous cycle to get in where like you crush on unattainable people and the fact that they're unattainable maintains that that feeling inside you and yep. you never push past that yeah and like um, I guess a part of like the, the definition of a crush is that it is something that occurs to the self and that like isn't reciprocal it is it is it is mm-hmm. totally I'm, I'm gonna say self-serving but but that it, it's something that just occurs to you not in the presence of another person necessarily I also mm. think that like sometimes there can be different reactions to different people and in different situations I mean mm, in terms totally. of like the, the the three types of behavior I tend to unfortunately um so I like fucking hate when this happens but like if I have a crush on somebody like I will I will be combative with them <laughs> <laughs> because surprising it, no one well, Tommy. because it's sort of like I get I get hmm I get mad when I have a crush on somebody because I feel like then I have to like they 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 took from thing they took something from me that I have to bicker to get back mm-hmm. you know like they took <laughs> yeah. my attention or they took my affection or whatever and I don't like when it's happening but it'll be like mm. somebody's talking to me and like that sounds like something you would say yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it's just like sorry to recycle content but it's just like when I was like flirting with my best friend and we were like going back forth but like the whole time I was like oh, I don't want him to know that I actually really have a crush on yeah. him and then when we finally had that moment outside of a gay bar where he was like you like me and I was <gasps> like you wish bitch <laughs> oh my God. you know but and then as soon as you say that you know that like it's so transparent well, he knows like, the me truth really is so well and yeah. so he wow. knew that we just I mean, needed to immediately frequently something that I'll say to mm. somebody I have a crush on is like I wish everything bad would happen to you and only you oh my god <laughs> oh my god but what does it mean what does it mean to push through that like what is, what are the steps is it possible number one to move from a crush to a relationship is that something mm-hmm. that we're capable of or does a relationship come in from a whole different feeling path than a crush mm-hmm. um, and and what are the steps that are required to go from like something because a, a crush isn't necessarily fleeting you can have the same crush for 10 years but oh yeah it is sort of limited, right? So what are the things that are required to go past that with somebody? I think uh, like base initiation, like inter, in, uh, like um, 
ha- ha- broaching the topic with the person, talking oh, wow. to them, actually like making because like the because um, I think a crush, in my opinion anyway, has a lot to do with the fantasy of another person. Mm. Yes. And a way to break down the fantasy is actually to interact with them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to actually like talk to them. And you know, there the thing is like obviously their flaws will come out, and mm-hmm. that crush will kind of break down a little bit. But but but. You, but in order to actually, I think, love something and in yeah. order to have a genuine affection for something, it is with the knowledge of those flaws, mm-hmm. maybe in spite mm-hmm. of them or because of or them. Or because of them. Yeah. I love nothing yeah. more than people's flaws. Oh, it makes me so hard to They're, know what their farts smell identifying like. Identifying what their flaws are so they'll never leave you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. exactly. oh my God. I, Dysfunctional. People's flaws... <sighs> are the things that unravel a crush for me, for sure. Mm, I think that I very rarely do. I fall in love with people's, you know, all the things that that are wrong with them. Their feet? They definitely, yeah, like their feet. (laughs) Um, Um, That that doesn't necessarily mean that I like, like, I like them less. It's just like, it's evolving from crush to like bond. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's, there's there's the kind of the heated attraction part of your relationship. Then there's like the bonding phase of your Mm -hmm. relationship. Mm. And that's when it, crosses over that maybe yeah. the the crush part of it you know as i was saying to dennis before is like you know that feeling of being under the influence and the bond mm-hmm. part of it is actually feeling some modicum of 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 um not control necessarily but of some kind of agency oh interesting yes. yeah yeah i think um because everything that you're saying teebs which i really agree with um to me speaks to the idea of humanizing something that mm-hmm. like like when it's a crush and it's this idealized like framework for a person or idealized person like that's not that to me that's like not real or my Mm -hmm. ideas for them there aren't real so then when they do become real it definitely it it definitely brings up that opportunity and one of the things that I enjoy about that is that that for me that can evolve into something else Mm -hmm. like I I wouldn't I I can say that I've had relations not necessarily relationships but relations with people that i had a crush on but even those sexual interactions to me um were very different from actually having a crush so for me mm-hmm. i feel like once it becomes real it like moves out of the because i can immediately see and understand someone's i feel like someone's humanity in a way like mm-hmm. I, I recognize them as that in a way that uh-huh. i don't think i have to when they're when they're just a crush. I There's of, like a distance there. There's a layer there yeah. that is punctu- that's punctured when we start interacting. So once you know what someone's dick tastes like, they're no longer a crush anymore, D, is that what you're saying? Um I think not necessarily, but often. Yeah. <laughs> I like to use the phrase same no halo. Like mm. the same person but no halo on them yeah. anymore. You know? I like yeah, that. I, like that. Um, I really like that. Can you tell us a little, Fran, tell us a little bit about the 101 of what's happening chemically? I mean, I was going to say that it's it's interesting that you bring that up because, like, when we were talking about how sex can break a crush and it is, like, kind of science. Like, your brain releases completely different chemicals when you're having sex with someone. It's vasopressin and it's oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And those are, like, the chemicals that, like, a mother releases, like, when she's breastfeeding her baby. So, like, it's it's like a real, it's like a bonding chemical. Okay. Where, like, the crush chemicals that I have Googled be, um, because... I am a doctor. Yes, Dr. Fran. You know, <laughs> all doctors have to Google their research ahead of time. I also can't pronounce any of these chemicals, um, which is also a doctor thing. It's a doctor thing. <laughs> you know, the thing about how doctors have bad handwriting. handwriting. Yes. 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 They yes. also exactly. can't pronounce words. Yeah, so the first chemical, which is... 
is it norepinephrine? Is okay. that yeah. I mean, every yes, time that, you say that, that I just think of norepinephrine, nora- and then I get a little sad. Norepinephrine, oh my god! So the first chemical, norepinephrine, um, is, isn't that better? She's it, dead. It's, it's the chemical that creates the sweaty palms and the racing heart. It's mm. kind of like the physical reactions. And then the next chemical is dopamine, and that's when your body like kind of craves something. It's, it's, it's also mm. the the chemical that's released when you're on cocaine. Cocaine. So yeah. like, so and like, also when you're on your smartphone, right? It's ex- like a thing. Oh. Is it real? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, when you're like refreshing oh, your likes, your notifications. Yeah. But then the last one, what is Endogenous opioids. Indo- oh, right, exactly. Endogenous as me, as opioids. The um, so that's like the reward system. That's like the thing that mm-hmm. like makes you feel like you're actually, the attraction could be reciprocated. And so every time you go over, you get that little, mm-hmm. you get that mm-hmm. taste. That little electric back, thing. Keep coming yeah, back yeah. for more. You First know? one's free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so d- that's that DM life. Fight or flight. Nor nor Afron is fighter. So there is this like upper sense of the crush that is kind of like jingly and is mm-hmm. it is a bit different than what love feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you. I already knew that though because I'm a doctor. Yes. <laughs> uh, I I was present for uh, Fran's board certification, so I should yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're talking about like the feeling of a crush, kind of being like the feeling of under the influence of something, you're, you, these chemicals mm-hmm. and these drugs and etc. What are some things that break crushes for you? We said before sometimes a sex thing um, you know my crash on uh, Brad Hebenthal in second grade was broken when I saw him vomit uh, ranch dressing um, disgusting uh, with Gabe it was when I, he wore gladiator sandals and I was like this is over <laughs> thank you for that image um, yeah no I mean it just I the only thing that breaks a crush for me is either time or like I, I did this thing in like middle school and high school where I would like sit the girl down and be like I have a crush on you. <laughs> and like no, nothing good in oh that voice. In like that Hannibal yes. Lecter voice. Yes. Yes. Yo, and were they all just like, you're queer? <laughs> I mean, that no. is kind of a <laughs> it is, it is. Queer people like women too, Dennis. You were like, uh, I have a crush on you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so I and th- those are people I was often very good friends with, and so the friendship, the intimacy, uh, seeing their faults, that didn't break the crush. I it would just kind of move on when I would have a crush on like mm. somebody else. But it does move on to something deeper if I start like sleeping with someone or having a romantic thing with them. Where like you know, once I wake up and fart on your leg, it's like mm-hmm. we're pretty much not a not a crush anymore. Let it rip. Yeah, it really, just should not exist anymore. Um, <laughs> I so no, not a lot of things break crushes for me. The reason that I first the first thing as we started to research this episode I went to was science and chemicals was because I actually haven't had a crush in like three years <gasps> like I know mm. it's like I I don't know what really I mean I kind of know what happened to me I had like a bad relationship after a crush evolved into a boyfriend mm-hmm. and that um, broke a version of what I thought I was capable of relationship wise it was a rejection I take really hard when it comes to relationship stuff mm-hmm. um, and not anywhere else <laughs> you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I retake re- rejection really well otherwise but um, I I think what maybe not necessarily what breaks a crush for me but like what it, it, it makes me unable to access crushes period is my you know, romantic hurt um, yeah. and the things mm. that I will can have a really hard time forgetting and letting go of. Yeah, because, that'll bring yeah. you back down to earth really quickly. A yeah. crush is so hopeful. I mean, it really is yeah. like right. an asking the universe for this this thing, for an intimacy with this person. And so I totally understand. Like a crush makes you vulnerable. It makes you weak. It makes you kind of dependent on the reciprocation of another person. Yeah, you really show your belly. You show yeah, your you, all your belly. Mm, you show yes. You yeah. show yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> for me, it's interesting though. I really relate heavily, friend, to what you're saying. Um, but I think because I, 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 I'm literally just all putting this together like right now. But I think um, because I spent so much time as like a kid. Um, not feeling like I was allowed to be attracted to boys. Like when it moved on mm-hmm. from cartoons, crushes became <laughs> the space where I was like, well, I can, I can like this boy, but I'm never going to do anything with him because I have to be straight and I have this girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So crushes have always felt like a place of freedom and Absolutely. hopefulness and joy for me. And I have never been um, like totally disposed to the idea of like connecting a crush to like an actual feasible mm-hmm. um, romance mm. or relationship. Mm-hmm. It's all with that. And that's not to say that that couldn't happen. It's just that like, to me, they've always been sort of separate planes. Yeah. So to me, it's almost like, like my crushes are great because they're not related to my romantic hurt or my romantic pain oh, or my insecurities mm. or like the things that have kept me from the people that I've wanted or whatever. Like they're, they're not related to that. They're like a separate thing. They're always mm-hmm. outside. And yeah. they're always fun. They always like, they always just excite me. I think it's so, I mean, in, in, re- in my relationships, cause I'm a serial monogamy. I always have crushes outside of the relationship. And as I've gotten older, that's just something that I communicate about with my partners because I think it's so yeah. healthy. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's like easy to say the, that too. You know, I'm a very monogamously minded person. So I often only want to have sex with my partner or my partner and somebody else maybe in the room. But that doesn't mean that I don't have crushes outside of that. And being able to talk about that uh, super openly and have not be threatened by my partner's crushes, you know, mm. maybe be a little jealous, but also kind of own that. But just like be open with it and like accept that crushes are super healthy and they get you to the gym and they make you feel nice and they make you feel different mm. than, you know, your partner of five years or whatever. Yeah, and I like that idea too. And and I think, and listening to you, Fran, talk about not having a crush in like three years or whatever, and I feel like I've got a same but different thing, mm. which is like it, that inverted, which is um, I never really felt entitled to pursue my crushes because I felt bad about myself. You know yep. that, that they were somehow better than me because mm-hmm. I, I, I because I was attracted to them that I didn't deserve to be with somebody I was attracted to. So I just or, ended up dating a lot of people who who didn't make me feel that strongly because then I knew it wasn't going to feel that bad when oh we God. broke up, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. then so but recently I've I had sex with somebody I have had a crush on, I had, had a crush on for an entire year, Ugh. and the after mm. that hookup and it felt so fucking good. It feels so it felt good, so good. I was just like. This this is what love songs are written yeah. about. Fuck your crushes in 2019, <laughs> yeah, everybody. Because because I felt after that happened and I felt so good about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fuck people I have crushes yes. on. Why yeah. the fuck not? Yeah. I felt absolutely entitled to that. And um, it sustained me for a long... After that, you couldn't tell me shit. Yeah. Like after I had sex with my... <laughs> yep. like, it didn't matter who didn't get back to me. It didn't matter who didn't yep. respond to my DM. It didn't matter who rejected me in person. I was like, I had... Put this man's penis in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, is, yeah. he is fine as fuck. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of also the problem. The whole problem with the concept of a crush is that the part of the definition of a crush, or in my head it is, is that unattainability. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, the, I think that crush as a definition usually is there's an unreciprocity to it. Mm. Um, and, uh, and a lot of, uh, in my case, in my personal opinion um but if there's one thing that i've learned in the last you know however many years i've been dating or having sex with people it's that like no one is out of your league oh my mm-hmm. god really so no. true. It's, yep. on, it's only like the system that we live in that 
cultures you to believe that you're mm-hmm. not worthy of other bodies, of other types of people, of other mm-hmm. s- people of different statuses or different attitudes or different confidence levels. You can really – you have access to everything. Mm-hmm. It's just you, you just can't be the person to tell – you. the only person who can tell you you can't have it is you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's just the narrative that I want to – Fuck your crushes drive. in 2019. You're Fuck worth your it. Crushes. You're Fuck worth them. it. Mm-hmm. You're worth it. You're worth it, baby. You're worth it. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm full. I think I'm full. I mean, I'm full, but I could put one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows how I feel. Uh, Our dessert this week is going to be helmed by Joe O. The Science Home. Yeah, so this week our dessert is the little bits of ink we get stuck in our skin and stay with us forever. We're talking about tattoos. Tattoos. Everyone at the table has tattoos. We all have different relationships. I think we all love our tattoos, all of them. Yeah. Uh, And it's something that, you know, we use to to mark our body, to mark places, a geography we've been, people we've been with. And I think it also is something that's sort of deeply queer, you know, this way uh, to modify our physicality to make our physicality maybe reflect something that we feel to carry our experiences on in and with us all the time. Mm-hmm. So, Teebs, you want to talk about your Yeah, I mean, I have tattoos? like maybe 15 or so. Um, uh, the uh, They started out as Kumiai bird design, uh, uh, Kumiai um, uh, basket designs, rather, uh, which are these like, the, the thing about, they're sort of like family crests in a way. Um, some denote the place that you live. So like, I have got a tattoo of um, like, it's a, the the basket representation of the mount, of the sacred mountain outside of my reservation mm-hmm. and like the clouds going over it. And it was a way, because I knew that I, after I had left that I probably wasn't going to go back. And it was a way of, mm-hmm. of carrying my tribe and, and my people and my indigeneity with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are like some that I have that mark certain periods in my life. Um, I have some that just, like, I have my name in Kumiai tattooed on my thigh. Um, I've got, like, a, a, a diagram of an opera textbook um, on my upper left arm. I have Amy Winehouse hearts as well. You know, just, like, uh, things that I think are worth, memories and and and, and, and um, uh, maybe pivotal points in my life that I think are worth memorializing. Yeah. Mm. I also have... 15 or 16 tattoos. I was trying to count them as you were going along and I still don't, I'm not sure. But um, I used to have a very sentimental relationship to my tattoos and I do have a very kind of like storied um, uh, version of a lot of the tattoos that I have. But I also think that uh, the preciousness around like my body as a temple is like one that doesn't really appeal to it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me when it comes to like tattoos so like mm-hmm. sometimes i just like get one because i'm bored and sometimes mm-hmm. i get one because i i think that having the agency to modify my own body mm-hmm. is like a very queer kind of power mm-hmm. um and yeah. there's a lot of connection to you know the queer underground and our relationship to tattoos and how we tattoo each other and like mm-hmm. tattoos relationships to kink culture and, yeah. and and all of its queer roots um so you know like i just like got this tattoo that just has like lyrics from an ABBA song like mm-hmm. for really no reason I'd never thought about anything less I was just like can you tattoo this on me yep. and the other <laughs> and like my friend it's now unfortunately I have like friends that are tattoo artists as mm. well so like that is like really a problem yeah. <laughs> like, I, like the other like, you can get a deal I was getting one I was getting one and then I was like 
and she was like, oh, I mean, like, it doesn't, I don't mind if you want to get a few more. Like, like <laughs> it, it cost me the same. I'm using just one package of materials. Right. So, and I was like, so I'll get that one. I'll get that one. And yeah, I got yeah, like a yeah, sprig yeah. Of, of rosemary for no reason. Like, yeah, my friend it. Jess does stick and pokes. Anyway. And every time I go over to her place, I get something new. And it's, yeah. it's I think that's, that's oh. the one thing that's deeply queer about it. All of my tattoos have been done actually by people I've either collaborated mm. with or have known for a really long time. Uh, the tattoo of the like mountain range in my hometown was done in my hometown by a person I grew up with. Mm. Uh, the other, my other tattoos were done by a, an illustrator that I've collaborated with. So it's like this whole thing of like mm-hmm. my queer arts project is also just being then written down yeah. also on my body. And it, and I kind I like how it feels. I sort of like the intimacy of it. Mm, it's so too. intimate with, mm-hmm. with a person. I was going to say, and because all my tattoo artists are queer, like all mm-hmm. the ones that I work with in New York city, um, th- we always talk about like queer relationships I and know. we talk about uh, therapy and we talk about mental health. We talk about race and identity. It's just like amazing. It is. Deep. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> this is the thing. <laughs> I'm terrified of needles. Needles are my biggest, like, phobia, period. I absolutely hate them. Mm. Um, It's, like, a big thing that I have to deal with and think through all the time with everything, like, with doctors and and all kinds of things. And so I say that to say that I went through most of my life thinking that I would never, ever, ever get a tattoo. It was not a question in my mind. I was not interested. And then in 2008, um, I had a coworker at um, my job who had a tattoo of a music note on her foot, and it just gave me an idea for a tattoo. And the idea was to take the pen, what I consider to be the pen ultimate measure from this Beethoven string quartet that I played in college. Oh my God. Um, Beethoven string quartet opus 132 in A minor. Oh my God. That's important. Um, and to have that, and to have that tattooed on, on, on to myself. And I knew that, um, and the thing is, the late Beethoven, the late quartets by Beethoven were these incredibly difficult, incredibly advanced, um, quartets. And my group of, uh, my quartet that I played in, like, we were all pretty advanced players. But when we went to our coaches and said that we wanted to perform this piece over the course of my senior mm. year, they were all like, that's really kind of too advanced for you guys. You're not at a music conservatory. Like, you're not going to be able to practice enough to do it. And by the end of the first semester, they were telling us that we should be entering competitions with students who were at, like, major conservatories to compete with them because we worked really hard. So it felt like this huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And so um, and so I, I, I had the idea in 2008, but it took me a full three and a half years to actually – make the final decision to get on the brand. tattoo. about right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. In 2011, towards the end of my graduate school, I was like, I'm ready to get this tattoo and I'm going to do it. And so I I, I don't make those decisions lightly. Um, it's usually something that's extremely personal and individual. And what I like about this tattoo is the fact that it's beautiful, like visually, I think looking at it and my tattoo artist did a great job. But also, like I feel pretty confident there's that there's probably no one else in the world that has it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that um, to me is part of what makes it worth tattooing on my body mm-hmm. and and permanently altering my body mm-hmm. also sure. as as a, a, a verse bottom and your tattoo d is on your back i can just mm-hmm. say that i feel like the tattoos on my back just make my body look awesome when i'm being plowed doggy style yes, oh, yes. yes. <laughs> thank you yes. for that. <laughs> bring us back to the trash can <laughs> this episode of food for thought is made possible by the generous unequivocal support of rose and our new home at forever Dog. Uh-huh. Our producer is the Timon to our Pumbaa. <laughs> and I would marry them both. Alexandra De Palma. Oh and God. our social media manager is the Alpha Taurus, Christina Tucker. Yes. Yes. Subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes or Joe go celibate for a whole year. Oh, God, no. Oh no, God. please don't. No. <laughs> oh no. I'm ready. I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H E Y T E E. 
BS on all relevant social media. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squish Co. on all social media and also Venmo. Mm. And I'm Dennis Norris II. And you can find me on Twitter at the Earl Denden. T H E E A R L D E N D E N. Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod, where each week we pin some questions at the top of our page to continue the discussion of this week's main topic. Sign up for our newsletter to see lists of everything we're reading and some extra delectable Mm. content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, send us your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts spelled how? T-H-O-T. Thank you for listening. See you next week. BetterHelp.com online counseling is there for you. Oh my God, thank God. BetterHelp makes it easy to connect with a licensed professional counselor specializing in issues that you want to talk about. Connect with your counselor in a safe and private environment. Get help at your own time on your own pace. Schedule a secure video and a phone session, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. Best of all, there's it's truly an affordable option. Food for Thought listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code THOT. THOT. If you've been wanting to talk, get started today. Go to betterhelp.com slash THOT. Simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love, one that can always change. That's betterhelp.com slash T-H-O-T, promo code T-H-O-T. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.